This is a program about going deeper. It's about creating a culture of learning. It's about putting apostolic feet to prophetic hope. It is our mission to purposefully equip the world to transform their region with God's love. We want to create an atmosphere of divine influence to the nations by walking in the power of His Holy Spirit with a faith that shapes the future. Welcome to Eagle Mountain Radio. Hey, welcome to Eagle Mountain Radio. My name is Chris Banky. I'll be your host today. I've got with me Bobby Hobby. So glad to have you here hey as well. And we also have with us in the studio at our six-foot social distancing rules, uh, Paul Keith Davis and his lovely wife, Amy Davis. They are um, joining us today. We're very excited to talk to them. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Great. It's our pleasure and privilege to be here. Yeah, thank you. They, uh, Paul Keith Davis is the founder, and they, they run together White Dove Ministries. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, we'll put a link to that ministry so you can learn all about them. And I wanted to just start off. Uh, I know that you guys have been friends for a long time. And just, like, how did you guys meet each other? How did you guys connect? So... This goes back to me, uh, or for me, back into the mid-90s. I remember being connected with Morningstar, Rick Joyner, Bobby Connor, all those guys, and Bob Jones. And I would see uh, Paul Keith sitting on the stage with those guys. And then often he would all of a sudden walk off stage and he'd be somewhere praying. And I'd notice him up in the balcony or something. That's just cool. getting revelations. And I was, I was always curious, who's that guy? Back then, he was like he wasn't talking much, but he was just there, and he was serving Bob. And then I would see some of the things that Bob would come out with, and then uh, he would sort of help interpret what Bob was getting. And the next thing you know, uh, the White Dove Ministry takes off, and I get to meet Paul Keith in the early 2000s in uh, Washington D.C. He had yeah. a word over me immediately. And I remember it to this day. He said, the Lord showed me this about you. And that is that you are an I love you from heaven. Wow. Apostolic, the apostolic, the prophetic, and the teacher. And wow. just nailed it. And so ever since then, it's just been awesome to see and what God's doing. But yeah, I have all of his stuff. I'm kind of a, got sort of a ministry crush on Paul Keith. <laughs> and uh, not just he's, but uh, it's I, literally when you find someone who's a voice, and that we're going to talk about that today, but if you find someone that's a voice that resonates with you, that's that moment. And so I've pretty much got all of his stuff, all of his books, and just kind of been a student of yeah. what he's bringing. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's really important and it's really relevant right now because we're in a very um, strange time, if you will. And there is literally no one that is not affected in a significant way. So one of the things that Paul and Amy speak to is um, very pertinent to what's happening right now, which is a kind of an understanding of end times and from a biblical perspective. Because there's a lot of voices that seem to be rising right now, and they've got a lot of things to say. But what I really have found and what I love about you guys and your ministry is that it always comes back to what the Bible says. And so what we want to really talk about today in today's podcast is we want to get into this very, very relevant thing of what is the biblical expectation for the end of the age. A lot of people are asking questions like with this virus and things that are happening. And even before that, just, just all of these world events that are kind of unfolding. What is our expectation? What is our role? How should we behave? What should we be thinking? 
And what about all of those things through a biblical lens and a biblical perspective? So I'm real excited to get into that with you guys. And I just really appreciate you guys carving out some time to be on this. People are searching now more than ever. So it's really important. And I just, I guess I'd like to just start by hearing your hearts about right now what's happening and how that ties into our biblical expectations um, for the age that we're in right now. Uh, sure, I'd like to start out, first of all, I guess, just commenting about the word, <laughs> you know. Um, we need an absolute. <laughs> we need an absolute. We need a plumb line. We need something that we can rely upon without reservation, without hesitation. And for me, that's the Bible, the Word of God. The Scriptures, really, is what you would call it. Uh, I've been shown multiple times over the years that the end-of-the-age army of people will be Word and Spirit united the consolidation, the merger of the Word with the Spirit. So I, I believe everything we need to know for life and godliness is right there in the Word. <laughs> and uh, there are a lot of voices, no doubt about it. And some of them, I think, in my view, are saying some things contrary to what I believe the, the Word teaches. Uh, just in, in, a, in a word, I, I, one final thing I'll comment about this season. You know, when we were first placed under this forced isolation my initial reaction was to resist it. <laughs> I'm like, what about churches? What about meeting together? What about community? What, you know, all of these things. And I, I might, just my gut, you know, just like, oh, I, don't, I don't like the government telling us. I get it. I get all the stuff about the plague and uh, the virus and all that stuff. But the Lord spoke to me. It, it took the Lord speaking to me to give me a measure of peace about this season we're in. He spoke to me out of Isaiah 26, 20, where it says, hide yourself for a season. I had it in a very profound way. It's okay. It's okay. Calm down. Don't be nervous. I'm, I'm using this. I'm not in it, but I'm using it. Hide yourself for a season. Take this time. And then I had, a, had an amazing encounter with the Lord. The Lord says, I want the remnant of my people to come out of this interval. I saw what he called it. What was the word? This interval, this little short season of time, like an army ready for battle. So I was told that there is a grace that is being given to us right now, today, in this season, to come out of this transformed, different than the way we entered this little season. Whether it's 30 days, 60 days, 90, I'm not sure. But there is this principle of escalation, this principle of redeeming the time. Third thing that I'll address that you just mentioned, um, I believe that we are living in the most exciting times of human history despite what's going on out there. We're living in the hour that Abraham saw, <laughs> that Enoch, yeah. the seventh generation from Adam, saw yeah. this generation and wrote about it. The coming of the Lord, which I think is one of the most vital things that we can teach. Uh, the Lord is returning, but what's he going to return to? A victorious people, a people that have lived the reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Things that prophets and patriarchs and spiritual fathers for generations long to see, we're living in that hour. And so it's exciting. It's, it's an amazing time. We don't like the darkness, but we're going to be a brighter light shining in the midst of darkness. You know, there is a teaching going around out there that things are going to get better and better in the world and the Lord is going to come back to pretty much a Christine culture. I can't find that in the Bible. I wouldn't be opposed to that if it were true. But when I read the scriptures, Daniel 12, it says the end times will be a time of distress like there has never been on the face of the earth. 
Revelation 17, 18, and 19 clearly teaches when the Lord comes, he's going to judge a political and religious system that has infiltrated the entire earth and every nation on the earth. So, I mean, that's what the scripture says. <laughs> and, of course, when the Lord showed me that, I had an experience one time where I heard this jubilation, this celebration going on in heaven. And I thought, what are they so excited about in heaven? And I was told that it was Revelation 17, 18, and 19, reading Revelation 18, they celebrate singing hallelujah and praise the Lord for the great harlot has been judged. And that was just, I mean, there's so much to say about that, but for the sake of time, that was an amazing revelation. And I thought to myself, if they celebrate when that system is judged, then I want to make sure I have nothing to do with it. I don't want any part of that. (laughs) Because, you know, God's going to judge it, and I don't want any of my belief systems to be tangled up in that religious political system of this world. So in the, the, the bottom line of what you're saying, this is a glorious time. This is, we are to be the most hopeful, excited people on the planet, not distraught, not upset, not confused. That was one of the things the Lord said, I don't want my people coming out of this season overweight, uh, sluggish, confused, or uh, grumpy. <laughs> We're not to be grumpy. We've got something to be happy about. Yeah, that's... That's really good. I'd like to I'd like to jump back a little bit and dig into something that you mentioned. Um, but before we do that, I want to remind everyone: Hey, we are going to try to get to some questions at the end of this. So if you've got questions as you're listening to this and as we're unpacking some of these things, definitely put those into the stream that you're watching, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or whatever. Put those in. We're going to try to get to some of those. So I wanted to remind you guys to do that. Um, what I wanted to stay on for a little bit is. It's definitely mostly universally accepted that we are in some kind of a period. Some people call it an age. Some people call it a a time, a period of some kind. Um, And I think I hear you saying that as well. And so I guess what I'd love to hear from you is, with all of these voices that are out there, um, what does the Bible say about the period of time that we're in right now? Like if you, you, you have such a good way of saying, let's, let's go to our foundation and, and look at what the Bible says. So what does the Bible say about this age, if you will, that we're in right now? Well, that's awesome because um, the word age in the New Testament is the word ion. And it, and it literally means a span of time. So the Lord Jesus and the Apostle Paul use this phrase, phrase quite a bit, this age and the age to come. So we know that we're in an age now and there is another age to come, another span of time, an ion. Uh, I'll just throw this in. It's a little unfortunate with some of the translations because like in Matthew 24, they ask the question, what will be the sign of these things? When are you coming? And the sign of the end of the world is what it says. And that makes people feel like this Armageddon thing is coming and the world is going to explode. <laughs> that is not the word. The word there is the end of this age, and it literally means consummation. What is the sign of the consummation of this season of time, which the Bible talks about will be a glorious time? It is the crescendo. It is the culmination. It is the pinnacle. It is the great release of the greatest grace the world has ever seen. It is when the Lord pours out the power of his blood on a body of people on planet earth and they become this overcoming army. That's what the end of the age is going to look like. It's not something to fear. It's not something to be nervous about. And we need to teach that. 
You know, people need to know, oh, this is my hour. I was born for this. <laughs> I came out of my mother's womb uh, for this purpose right now, this age. So that's where we are. And now, you know, here's the thing. People want to say, well, do we have three years or five? I don't know. But I do know this. Jesus rebuked the generation of his first coming because they didn't recognize the day of their visitation. They didn't look around right. and see the signs and say, wait a minute, the scriptures right. have something to say about this. And I believe the same is true today. If we don't recognize the signs of the times in which we're living, say, so wait just a minute now. The word has something to say about this. Where am I to be postured? What is my position right now uh, as I begin to believe what the Lord is about to do? And here's the thing. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that there is another spirit out there, basically is what he said. And it would deceive the very elect if it were possible. What does that mean? That means that this bridal sons of the kingdom company of people have something inside of them that just cannot swallow the spirit of this world. They just can't take it. They, they're not going to be deceived. Something, there's this barometer on the inside. We can call it discernment that says, I don't know about that. That's not right. I got something in me that's not allowing me to embrace that. What does the word have to say about it? And I feel like right now that little barometer, that little mechanism that God put inside of us is being awakened in a body of people. We're hearing it. Amy and I are hearing these questions. Hundreds and hundreds of emails have come in over the last few weeks asking these same questions. So as these questions are coming in and it's for, for people that are listening right now and maybe haven't been thinking about these things, as they hear you talk, they might be thinking to themselves, uh, well, I want to be one of the ones that is sensing that and feeling it in my inside, but I'm not really feeling what I think I hear him saying I should be feeling. So what would you say to that person that's not really sure? They, 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 they might feel like something's just not right about what's going on, but they don't know how to interpret that, or, or maybe they're not feeling that at all. Maybe they're just kind of floating along on their stream of life, and they're, they've stumbled across this message on this podcast and they're, and they're hearing what you're saying and, and they're like, I don't, I don't recognize what I hear him saying. What would you say to that person? I've heard Amy, come, why don't you share about what you've seen on that? <laughs> okay, well, we've, just, we've had numbers of people asking that same question. Number one, what we're doing is praying for people. The Lord told me there's a grace. When I had this little encounter about a week ago now, uh, where the Lord said to come out of this interval of time like an army ready for battle. Then he said, I'm going to give the grace to do it. And so I'll just do it right now. Lord, I'm assuming this camera is on. Yeah. Just uh, those of you that are watching this program that want this level of discernment, I pray that God's word will come to pass in your life right now and that you will sense this discernment. You will sense this revelation. Everything is a revelation. The end of the age is about the revelation, the unveiling, the disclosure, the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have ultimate confidence that the Lord is awakening that in people, even as we speak, so they can be postured for what's coming. And the other thing we're doing, too, is we're, we're encouraging fasting and prayer. Yeah. You know, a That's lot of really people, good. like one of the, here again, I mentioned the, the volume of emails we're getting right now, but so, so many of the really precious saints out there have felt this call to fast, uh, whether it be a full food fast or some kind of Daniel fast or some modification right. of that. We're seeing that, and I think that's tremendous. And it seems like, too, like if I could tie that back to what you're saying at the beginning, is it's very important if you're feeling this 
to make sure you go to the word because there are a lot of voices out there that are ready for, actually, you, you said this recently, Bobby, the itching ears. Like they want to hear something. They feel a lot of anxiety right now and they want to hear something. And what I think I hear you saying is, that's great. Make sure that that's grounded in the word. I don't know. Can you speak to the itching ears? Maybe? Sure. Yeah, I'll just jump on that. Second Timothy 4 talks about that. At the end of the age, there'll be people that sort of put a soulish pressure on the voices of the hour, the influences, influencers of the hour to speak things that comfort the soulish nature. And then all of a sudden we, we stop saying what God's saying in that hour and we become more of a voice to man's soul than a conduit of what heaven's saying. And we miss our calling. And so, I don't know, three weeks ago, maybe four now, when the earthquake happened in Salt Lake City and uh, the tabernacle was shaken, and did you know that the trumpet is the only thing that fell off that statue on the top? And the Lord spoke to me, the day that the trumpet fell is the hour that I'm raising up new voices that I can put to my lips as new trumpets for these times. So I think part of that answer to that question is you need to watch who you're listening to. God is separating right now those voices that are speaking from heaven and those voices who are more worried about the itching ears and speaking what man needs to hear and more of the fear of man than what heaven's saying. So I think that's a big component of it too. Yeah, that's really good. Amy, did you have a comment to add to that? Yeah, I wanted to add add a couple things. So we were talking about what happens in this time of being hidden away. Um, The Lord had shown me Psalm 81, which says this, you called in trouble and I rescued you. I answered you in the hiding place of thunder. And there's many amazing answers that we get in the hiding place of thunder. And the Lord showed me that that thunder, that hiding place of thunder, it's the sound of the seven spirits. It's the sound of wisdom and understanding and counsel and strength and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So in this time of being hidden away, we're calling to him in trouble. He comes and rescues us in the hiding place of thunder. And what we get is access to his spirit, to his heart in a way we haven't before because that's what we need in this hour. We have to have a wisdom that makes the wisdom of the world look foolish. We, and we don't get that on our own. We get it from that's accessing right. the heart of God. So, Good. I, I, I'd love to use that as a perfect segue to this, to this next question, which is, there, there are some voices um, that we hear in Scripture that talk about this age. You've got Daniel, Paul, you've got John. What are they saying for our time now? Um, wow, that's um, a loaded, that's a wonderful question. You know, um, <laughs> let me just kind of start at the beginning. Um, we talked about the end times, this anticipation of the Lord's return. Uh, so I, I think I want to address it this way first. You know, we're in a little bit of a crisis right now, obviously. You know, we've had some people die of this virus. Then you've got millions of people right now that are out of work, you know, and, and these things. And we can look at that and say, wow, this must be the last time Jesus is coming back by the end of 2020. Well, that's not necessarily the case. There have been a lot of traumas that have happened over the years. My word is the Lord said, this is just the dress rehearsal. This is not, you know, this is going to pass away. We're going to have a season of great harvest that's going to be coming. That's just a quick injection. Something struck me. I was reading Acts chapter 1 and talking about the ascension. So what is the Great Commission? What is our mandate? The Lord says go into all nations or ethnic groups. 
all people groups and preach the gospel making disciples, which means instructed ones in the ways of the kingdom. Then it says, you know, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. So what are we? We're witnesses of a kingdom that is unseen. You know, we're talking about the coming of the kingdom of God. Jesus in John 18, 36 says, you know, here you have Pontius Pilate, you know, this Roman governor. (laughs) They had this system of government, the Roman government, and they got a little concerned with this guy because he raises the dead and heals the sick. (laughs) If you're a commander of an army and you can raise the dead and heal the sick, you're, you're a formidable threat. And so he says, now, are you a king? Well, see, yes, I'm a king, but I'm not a king of this world. <laughs> my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is of another realm. We need to understand that. The kingdom of heaven is of another realm, but it's in the believers. Believers have the seed of their father, our father in us. Therefore, we are of a, the unseen kingdom. What is our attitude then about the Lord's return? John chapter, I mean, Acts chapter 1 I find this very striking. The Lord gives the Great Commission. The disciples are standing on the hilltop there. And the, and the Lord is being drawn up into a cloud right before their eyes. This was a literal historical event. The Lord is being drawn up right in front of them. The cloud, which I believe has to do with the cloud of witnesses, whatever. The, the cloud is catching him away. The Bible says, while they were watching him being caught away, Two angels appeared and say, why are you gazing intently into the heavens? Don't you know in the same way that he left, he is coming again. So the Lord right. isn't even out of their sight yet, and they're already talking about the second coming. <laughs> so, so what is the attitude? We should have an anticipation of the Lord's return. Daniel talked about the Lord's coming. The Dan, you know, Daniel 12 is all about these hidden mysteries that are going to be revealed at the last time. Paul talked about it. 1 Corinthians 14, I... I read a very disturbing article this week where someone was mocking the, the coming of the Lord and, and even, even questioned Paul's motivation. Said, you know, Paul was deceived when he wrote 1 Thessalonians 4 when he talked about the Lord's coming because he even thought the Lord was coming in his generation. And I think he was supposed to. Over in Revelation, you know, the latter part of the first century, John is caught up to the to heaven in the Patmos Island, and the Lord says, behold, I am coming quickly. The Lord himself said to John, I'm coming quickly. And John said, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. So you have these people with the anticipation, the expectation of the Lord's return, but yet we've had 2,000 years of church history and the Lord hasn't come. Now follow me closely here. I don't want you to lose me. Now watchers to, to lose me. So were they, were they just mistaken and deceived? Oh, wow, they thought the Lord was coming in their generation. He didn't. They must have been deceived. Absolutely not. Here is what we need to understand. We are supposed to have the anticipation and the expectation of the Lord's return and live our life accordingly. That's what the Bible teaches us. We're to live our life as if the Lord's coming tomorrow. I know we've got to get the harvest in, but our attitude, the attitude, the, even the angel says, don't you know? I mean, he hadn't even been gone yet, and they're already talking about his return. Don't you know the Lord is going to return? So every person that had faith in the Lord's return, the Lord reckoned that unto them as righteousness. Yeah. Hebrews 11, I'll finish my point, then you can go to that. Hebrews 11 tells about these great champions of faith. They saw something prophetically, 
and they gave themselves to it, although they didn't see the reality of it. They saw the promise from a distance, is what it says, but they will be made perfect when we are gathered in. When we walk in the promise, because they believed for it, God recognized that and sealed them into a place in him because they lived their life as if the Lord was coming back in their generation. Now, there's two extremes. One extreme is, you know, the Lord's going to come catch us away, let's live in a hole somewhere, hide away until the Lord comes. That is not what the Great Commission says. The Great Commission says, go out and be a light, a city set on a hill. Go be light to the nations. Go preach the gospel. Cast the net. That's what Jesus literally said in Matthew 13. Cast the net. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. Tell them about the kingdom that is to come. The other extreme is that, you know, that everything's going to get better and better out in the world and we're going to take over these systems of the world. I don't see that in the scriptures. That would be okay if it were true, but I don't see that happening in the scripture. So yes, we're to preach right now. The Lord is returning. Absolutely. I have confidence in the word. That's the attitude we're to have. Now, I personally believe we have a few years. <laughs> Just when you judge what we have to have accomplished before the Lord returns. So we have a huge job. We have a great responsibility. The Lord has placed it upon our shoulders to carry this gospel to a lost and dying world and bring in the greatest harvest of souls the world has ever seen, Matthew 13. The end of the age is the harvest. And here we are living in that hour. Yeah, I think, um, I think that people just naturally want to, let me say it this way. I think there's an anxiety that just people have when they don't know. So they try to look at scripture and figure out, well, how many years? Is, it, is, it, is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? And I, I really like the way that you said this because what I hear you saying, I want to make sure that I understand it correctly, is we are to always live as if it could be today because that's the kind of urgency that God wants us to have. He wants us, like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. He says, pay attention to this. This needs to be urgent. That's like when Jesus was rising and here the angels come, what are you doing? Like, like he wants us to have that kind of urgency. And I think people can just kind of get a little bit confused and kind of push that to, well, when, when is that happening? Or they can kind of slide the other way and say, well, like, it, it's, it's not going to happen for a long time because of this and this and this. And what I hear you saying is, it's very important that we're living every single day with that sense of urgency that it's going to be right now. And when, you know, when Paul thought it was going to be in his lifetime, he wasn't wrong about that. That was the right way to live. And is that, is that fair to say that? That is, you have something? You have something. You know, people that, and it makes me weepy at the thought, but people that are positioned, they're waiting and expectant for the Lord to come. Those are the reverence. Those are the, one that, the ones that revere him, fully, completely, totally revere him, where they understand awe and reverence. They understand that spirit in that realm. That's why we're positioned and eager and ready and waiting, because we revere him and we cannot wait another moment. We're expectant to see him. And that's what really is going to set apart people in this hour, people that know him and truly follow his ways, people that are standing on the truth and people that are not. Because the ones that are standing firm on the truth, they understand awe and reverence. And even, we don't, we're not going to understand it fully and completely because it's also eternal. It's part of his spirit. We're going to always be learning about this. But those that are desiring to revere him more, you're going to know that they're going to be standing on the truth and pursuing it. 
because they revere him. And it's all about that reverence. And people that are right. waiting, really expectant for the Lord's return, those are the ones that are, and that's one of, that's one of you're gonna, how you're going to be able to tell the difference between those who, you know, pursue, really, truly pursue the truth about the Lord and those that don't. You'll see that reverent light shining from within them. Let me read Daniel 12. It says, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Mm. It's all tied together too with how the harvest coming in. Because those who revere him and are waiting expectant for his return, they're going to have this light that shines so bright that it calls in the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. Yes. We can be expectant for that. And so it's all wrapped up together. It's not divided. They're, it's all together. I, I, I really like the way that that you're saying that it just brings a lot of clarity and I want to push back into um, something that you said before because I think it's really important and um, so I think we should go back to it for a second and that is there are these two emerging schools of thought and you mentioned them but I really want to dig in a little bit in this one is that things are just going to continue to become brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter till Jesus just comes in and says nice job everything's dialed let's celebrate and then over on the other side is things are going to continue to get so dark that nothing we do really matters. Why bother? And I, and, and I would like to just hear, like, from a practical standpoint, what is the posture that we should have as Christians from a biblical perspective between these two extreme views? Like, what do you say about that from a practical standpoint? Yeah, that's an awesome question. You know, as you were speaking, I just was hearing, you know, what we all want to hear. I know I do. I want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did good. <laughs> you did good. So how do we do that? What, do, what is our posture for us to hear the Lord say to us, you did good. You, you represented me well. We are an ambassador of another kingdom. We're citizens of another kingdom. And there are these two extreme schools of thought and a lot of things in between. Um, and, you know, as an individual... You know, we just think of it with our natural mind. Who wouldn't want things to get better out in the world? That would, that would be great. <laughs> Nobody's, you know, uh, anticipating being a martyr. If, the, if things could get better in the world, fine. But is that what the Bible says? Or does the scripture say darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people? But in the midst of that, we arise and shine. Uh, Daniel says, a, a time of distress like the world has never seen. It actually says in Revelation 19, when the Lord returns, he comes to judge and wage war. Who's he going to wage war with? If it's not the people that have been opposing him and you know, have spurned mercy for the last time. We don't want anybody to perish. We don't, I mean, my, our heart should be, we want everybody. That's why we preach the gospel. Pray that everybody would come to, to the knowledge of the truth. But the reality is the Lord is coming to deal with somebody on planet Earth. Matthew 13 tells us that he's coming to separate the wheat from the tares, the sons of the kingdom from the sons of right. the evil one. Right. And so you have this one extreme where everything's get better and better, which is just simply not biblical. Then you have the other extreme where it's so awful out there, we just need to hunker down and wait for the Lord to come get us and take us out of here. That's just equally as wrong. Um, People that have revelation, people that have the spirit of revelation realize this is the greatest hour to ever be alive, you know, to, to be Christ in you. Now, here, here is a problem. Here is not a problem. Here is a dilemma that many people have. The last season that we've been in has been hard. 
most of the remnant of God's people have been through some tough stuff. You know, we've been believing, you know, we have these revelations, you know, you're going to be a filled with the spirit and power of Elijah, and the next thing you know, they can't prophesy for anything, or their health is gone, or the children are rebelling. I mean, just one, you know, trauma after another, and well, I, you know, what happened? And the reality is that season was allowed, like it was for Joseph, when he was given this great promise, you're going to rule the people. Right. Next thing he knows, he's in prison. <laughs> he has no authority. But he came out of that then able to rule with righteousness. Well, the good news is that season's over. You know, everybody watching say, praise the Lord. <laughs> that season is over. We're in a new day. There is a new dispensation of grace given to us. There is something coming from God. He's going to begin to, and is now, recognize. We're already seeing it. We're seeing these incredible, you know, displays of God's grace that are coming right now. And someone right might say they don't have courage. A Amy had a visitation of an angel she saw with her natural eyes in our bedroom. It was bringing, that was considered to be a carrier of courage. Mm -hmm. So we know without question the Lord is releasing courage to his people to be what we're supposed to be. Yeah. Now, Amy, I'd love to hear about that. That's actually one of the things I wanted to ask about is this, this angel that came uh, about the courage. Like, can you tell us about that? What did you, what did you receive from that? Okay, there's a lot of things that were coming from uh, just the impartation. I was getting this. The angel came early in the morning. It came several mornings in a row, and I saw it the first time only with my natural eyes, and it had this extreme heat coming from it. And I sort of rolled in and went on in, and the Lord uh, gave me a revelation uh, regarding this number 414. And it's very complex. There's no time to go into it but I will share just Esther 4.14. I do also feel like it's a time frame. There's a lot that is shifting and happening around this for April, 4, April 14th. It, it is that, but primarily highlighted was Esther 4.14, which says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place and you and your father's house will perish. Who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. I had a dream this morning about someone who was trying to stand in their royalty, but they didn't know how and kept going back to a different way. And it really had to, it has so much to do, the courage has so much to do with standing and who we know we are and who we know he is and that we know what the word says. That's why the truth right now coming forward is so important, knowing the truth, because then we know who we are who he is, what the word is. And another part to that courage, it wasn't just um, being courageous to stand. It was also having the courage to know when we shouldn't speak, to know when we shouldn't listen to something. Yep. That was going to take wow. great courage too. That's so good. One of the things that the Lord's been speaking to me that in an hour of Psalm 2, why do the nations rage? If you do Joel 2, I'll do Acts 2. And that Joel 2 is just call a solemn assembly the Lord's raising up an army now in this time out of Joel 2 that springboards the Acts 2 anointing. And I know we're way beyond Acts 2, or at least we should be, but I feel like um, that's what the Lord's doing. In this hour, in this Psalm 2, uh, when all of this is turmoil is happening and people are even blaming God for what's going on right now on the planet, 
the Lord sits in the heavens and laughs and calls his people to get alone with him. I think one of the things that I've appreciated, Paul Keith, about what you've said is if we come out of this COVID-19 time and we're not closer to the Lord or that the army doesn't arise, we haven't stewarded this moment well. And uh, I'm going to filter a couple questions that are coming online from the White Dove tribe. So I just want to say hello to you guys. Here's a couple. One's from Olaf, and it says this. What do you have to say about those that are waiting for the third temple to be built in Jerusalem? Isn't the true church the last temple, according to Haggai chapter 2? Oh, let's just take that simple little topic there and just... <laughs> Great job, Olaf. Three we love minutes you. to answer that deep, complicated question. Let me answer this in a biblical way. The Bible only talks about three temples. The temple that Solomon built, the restored temple that the Lord Jesus came to, and the millennial temple. Mm -hmm. That's the only three temples the Bible talks about. I'm fully aware that they have the, the temple institute in Jerusalem. They've gotten implements for the priesthood, and they've done all of that. I, I, I fully recognize that's going on as we speak. In Israel, but the scriptures to me seem to be clear. God is not looking for a temple made by the hands of men, but the hearts of men. Circumcision, he is a Jew. You know, we, we might want to just address this issue. You know, we are Jews as well, even though we may not have been born in Israel. He is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart. So the kingdom of heaven, that really addresses the dominionism you asked about a while ago. The kingdom's within. You know, when the Lord, my, my belief of what the scriptures teach is when the Lord returns, he will bring his government with him. We're not going to manifest God's government on planet earth fully until he comes to bring the government. In the meantime, it's, we're living in a system that is not godly. He who loves the world or the things of the world, the love of God is not even in him. That's what the Bible says. We're not supposed to love those systems. We love people, but not the system. Getting back to the question. Um, so I would be surprised if the Lord allows another temple to be built, but I fully recognize that men may try to do it in their zeal. I think a lot of that is a misapplication of Daniel chapter 9, that a temple has to be rebuilt for the Antichrist to occupy. Well, he's doing that now in the hearts of men. You know, the spirit of Antichrist, John said the spirit of Antichrist was already, already released yes. at the same time the Holy Spirit came. Those two trees have been in the garden from day one. You know, and the spirit of the knowledge of good and evil is not this wicked, you know, obvious, ungodly thing. It's something that tries to emulate the spirit of God but is counterfeit. So close to the real that it would deceive the very elect if it were possible. You know, Judas Iscariot, you know, if you do a study of him, he was the son of perdition. That's what the Bible says. He was the spirit of Antichrist manifest, and he was right there among the 12. And even up to the night before the crucifixion, even John didn't recognize who he was. Only the Lord Jesus did. And so that spirit is very deceptive, and, and it's trying to occupy the hearts of men as a counterfeit form of Christianity. That's where the, the spiritual abomination of desolation is trying to reside. I personally believe the scriptures are clear about the man of sin. There will be a man come again that will have that spirit fully incarnate in him. That's another teaching altogether. So from the essence of that word, I think I tend to agree with what they were implying. Um, but biblically, three temples. 
you know, Ezekiel 40 through 44, whatever those chapters are, deal with the millennial temple. The Bible is clear. The Lord builds that one. He will come forth and build the temple himself. Uh, until then, we are the temple. The kingdom is within Christ in us, the hope of glory. Did you have, were there any other questions? I do. I have one question from Kelly. And uh, what do you see happening with economic realms in the body of Christ and financing the end time harvest? That's kind of interesting because I just read an article. It was a secular article. It was not a, it was not a Christian article. But it says right now we're seeing the greatest transfer of wealth that we've seen in, in our generation. <laughs> wow. in the right now, this whole coronavirus. And, and on one side of that, it's heartbreaking because a lot of people are losing their wealth. And it's not their fault. I mean, government-imposed restrictions and restaurants shutting down our businesses. And, you know, how long can people go without operating their business? That's sad. It's heartbreaking. But on the other hand, you see with every one that's going down, millionaires are being raised up on, for something else and that there is a transfer of wealth. But my personal belief is we'll have all the resources we need to do what, everything we need to do. How the Lord does that is up to him. <laughs> but I don't have any questions that we will have everything we need to become apostolic resource centers and be everything we're called to be before the end of the age comes. Isn't that awesome? Because that really is used then to push us into the supernatural where we belong. I mean, that's just how we operate. And that's how the people of God get to arise and shine. That Isaiah 60 anointing is because things are going on around the world, but there's this supernatural providence. There's this supernatural guidance. There's something we all share that the world doesn't have. And we're completely shining in an hour of deep darkness, gross darkness to people. Amy, do you have something on that? I do. Do you feel me like stirring? You know, I just really feel to encourage people. You know, when this courage angel came, you know, I know that there's so many afraid. But I'm telling you that this is going to be our greatest hour. We get to shine like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. That means we're going to have every resource we need. We're going to have wisdom that we need. We're going to have the touch from the Father that we've been desiring that's what we get in this season. You know, we don't, we don't, it's not a time to be afraid. The Lord, when this, um, I had this experience, I've had multiple, and I'll be very quick, but the thing that was being spoken so clearly is it's time to take your stand and keep it. You know, when Ezekiel experienced things with the Lord, the Lord stood him on his feet, filled him with the spirit and said, now keep your stand, take your stand, stand up. And then it happened again. And this is our opportunity to now to know, to know, really, truly know what we believe, take our stand and keep it. And I'm just encouraging you now. I'm encouraging you that this is our greatest hour. Really good. Um, and it's really, it's really timely, you know, as we've been talking about. And what I'd love to hear is maybe from each one of you, actually. So there's going to be a lot of people that are listening to this and it's resonating to some degree and they're, they're feeling during this crazy period that we're in, they're feeling this anxiety and they're listening to what you're saying and they're saying, oh, that's it. That, that's it. This, this is the age. But what does that look like um, from a practical standpoint? What does that look like? How do we have a, a lifestyle, if you will, of the appropriate kind of thinking 
and actions during a time like this? Like, what, what would you say to the person that maybe doesn't understand all of the depth of what you're talking about, but they definitely can recognize the truth in what you're saying? They've got the discernment, but they're not really sure, like, how do I do that in a practical way? Okay, one of the things that actually Paul Keith and I were on the plane and we both had pretty much the same dream at the same time and woke up and we were discussing our dream, um, both of our dreams. And one of the things that came to us in those dreams, the revelation from it was that we have to right now really understand positioning ourselves in humility and authority. So we know that we're just humbled before the Lord, but we are using the authority that we've been given. That means we have authority over our thoughts and authority over our emotions, authority over even our physical body, what we choose to do so that we are strong and our mind is clear and our mind is sound. The scripture says a man not in charge of his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So it's necessary now that we are, uh, you know, uh, fortified, I guess, that we're protected and that we are guarding our thoughts and our emotions and we're strengthening our body. Even just like we did these last couple of blogs, just eating healthy, just making sure that we're, our thoughts are clear and we're just using just wisdom in everyday things, not with fear, but just being wise so that we've done our part and the Lord can, you know, he'll do his. Yeah, I, I wouldn't answer that by going back to something I shared here first. Um, I think our prayer has changed. You know, uh, it, it was a time we, we prayed, Lord, deal with our enemies. Now the Lord is saying, no, you deal with the enemies. <laughs> he said, I've made you a sharp threshing sledge. We are the instruments. That's not to be presumptuous or careless, but we need to recognize, okay, um, who's going to deal with the coronavirus thing? The church. The church has the authority to deal with it. Um, I believe there are many plots behind this that are wicked and evil, but the enemy wants to hinder the harvest. And he's not going to do it. God's not going to allow it. We're going to bring in the harvest. So I think we have to begin to change our posture and our prayer to be proclamations and declarations. And, and listen to my message where the Lord says, we are a threshing sledge to thresh the mountains of opposition and pulverize them. I like that word. That's in the New American Standard Version. I would to pulverize the mountains <laughs> and make the hills like chafe. So that means he's given us this authority that she's mentioned, and we have to exercise the authority. That's one one of the main things. Is one thing to do intercession; it's another thing to do proclamations. Once you have the will of God, you declare and decree. The other thing I would like to say, and this is one of the things we're getting from a lot of people, this is a time for a gut check. Sorry if that term is kind of base, but when I played football, you know, our coach would say, it's time for a gut check, you know. Um, if this season has exposed kinks in the armor, now's the time to get them fixed. If people are dealing with fear, it's okay to be honest about it. Say, I need some help. I don't want to be fearful. I'm not going to live my life in fear. I have not received a spirit of fear. And I think that has been the case, judging from some of the emails we're getting. We're trying to encourage people. No, no. Listen, God's got this thing under control. We, we serve a God that that is infinite and all-powerful and all these things. And the reality of the power of the blood is going to be demonstrated in our generation like it's never been before. So we're trying to get people to get a revelation of the blood um, and, and to become something they weren't before. And the good news is, at least from what I have heard the Lord say, he's given us the grace to do it. The grace is there. He said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to be there. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to give you something you don't have to get you through this season. So that's where our word has been.
I want to just add one thing, a scripture in Isaiah 26 that says, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up walls and ramparts for security. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter. The one that remains faithful, the steadfast of mind, you'll keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Beginning to even declare that over our city and over our region, over your household. Just even that declaration. And there's one declaration that I've been doing, and it's this. Though there's chaos in the world and a swirl in the spirit realm, my home and my temple will have order, structure, peace, and freedom. And those are the kind of the main things that we've been talking about and doing just in our life. Order, structure, peace, freedom. And those are all just necessary parts. That's good. Bobby? That's so good, Amy. A couple things on that. Um, I want to go back to the expectation that Amy talked about. Um, It reminded me of how I want my heart to be full of expectation in this season. I want to prophetically be sitting on the edge of my seat. God, what are you saying? What's the voice that you are speaking? What are you saying? What's the voice from heaven saying right now for me? I want to sit on the edge of my seat. So uh, when the prophetic forerunner was about to get his head chopped off and there was John the Baptist uh, having that end of life moment, he sent out his two disciples and he said, I want to know if this is the one that we've expected. And there's just something that's just standing out to me on that right now is, are you the expected one? That's what he wanted to call, that's what a man on fire wants to know if Jesus is the one that I've expected. So I think, uh, yes, let's very much foster uh, and build that spirit of expectancy right now. Let's push ourselves beyond the natural and expect something that puts a demand on heaven. Uh, we, the, this is our finest hour. So we have a lot to say um, about the, where COVID-19 goes. I mean, right now the statistics are, okay, so this happened in Wuhan or in Italy. So the United States should be coming, if the statistics are right, for the next two or three weeks into a very hard, high death toll, that type of thing. But then I'm crying out, but Lord, the U.S. is different than other nations. We were founded to preach the gospel, That's got to mean something in the spirit. I'm not saying that other nations weren't. I'm just saying I have a right to place a claim on the anointing over the United States of America in this season and say, not so here, not so here. And then the other thing is Passover is coming. So what are you doing right now? I mean, that's tomorrow evening. So what are you doing to cover your home and your heart? applying the blood of Jesus Christ. What have you noticed of the things that have been let into your thought process that maybe you weren't aware of until this thing happened? Now all of a sudden they're popping up. Wow, I didn't even know that was there. That's the Lord speaking to you. This is what I want to change in this hour. It's a great time to walk your house. It's a great time to, Lord, I apply the blood of Jesus Christ to my house. As for me and my house, my kids, my grandkids. And then lastly, We've been face-to-face and from a place of intimacy with the Lord. That's great. But we're also being invited to get up off our knees, stand next to the Lord in the Holy of Holies, look out to a planet who needs us to shape society through what comes out of our mouth. That needs to be practical for every Christian in this time. That is so, so powerful. I, I love the, the message and the kind of the tone and energy that all three of you are bringing. You know, it's one of courage. 
It's one of confidence in who we are in Christ and who Christ is. It's one of preparedness and discernment and gut checks and reevaluating what is God speaking to me right now because I believe, and, I, and what I hear you saying is, he doesn't waste any, he doesn't waste anything. Like this, oppor- this is an opportunity for us to draw closer to him because he's not going to waste this opportunity on us. And I think it's, it's just so um, important right now that we keep that in mind. There is another couple of questions here that I'm going to wrap into one question. Um, and it, has to, it comes back to a little bit of clarification around um, what you were talking about earlier. And that is, um, and just let me say it this way, is it possible that the bride can thrive while the world's in turmoil? In other words, I think we have some people that are hearing what you're saying and they're wondering, you know, I've been hearing, I, I'm making an assumption here, so I, I don't know if it's, it's actually what they're thinking, but I know that some people are, they're hearing a lot of messaging about how things are, the church is to become so bright that evil can't exist. And how does that, like, how does that fit in with what you're saying is what I think that they're, they're asking. Yeah, I, I will go so far as say the bride will thrive in the midst of great turmoil. She will. This will be the time. I think you have support of Scripture. You know, one of the famous ones, Isaiah 60, arise and shine for your light has come. Verse 5 of chapter 60 says, you will see and become radiant and your heart will tremble and be enlarged. So that's a pretty huge promise while there's darkness in the earth and deep darkness over the people. There are numerous scriptures that talk about the, the season of time, this interval of time before the Lord's return. There's a term called dominionism. I, I hesitated to go there because it, it can take a few minutes to really talk about that. But dominionism basically says that we will establish the kingdom government on the earth before the Lord returns. I don't subscribe to dominionism. I believe that we will have our greatest hour in the kingdom that we're uh, believing for, the kingdom we're going to manifest is within. It is an unseen kingdom existing in the hearts of men. That's what will distinguish us from the rest of the world. When, when they asked the Lord in Matthew 24 about his coming, he says, tell us about what are the signs of these things, of your coming and of the consummation of the age. And the word coming there was parousia, which is manifestation of his presence. And there will be a parousia, the coming of the Lord to live in his people. Um, one way of putting it, there will be an invisible, an invisible union between the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride. That's what will exist on planet earth. The bride has made herself ready. Christ in you, the hope of glory. These amazing promises the restoration of all things as was prophesied by the prophets, the capstone generation coming with shouts of grace, grace, all these different prophetic emblems that we have. So yes, God's people, the remnant of God's people, the overcomers of our generation, because the scriptures are plain, to the church, right, but to him that overcomes, will I grant to sit with me on my throne as I overcame to sit with my father. If you overcome, you eat from the tree of life. So right now, we're having to overcome the spirit of the age to live in this place of dominion with the Lord within the hearts of men. And then the Lord will come to wage war with his enemies and bring his government and merge the two realms, the unseen realm with the, the known realm, the seen realm. So yes, I think ultimately to answer that question, there's going to be turmoil out there, but not in here. 
There's going to be, the world is, even right now, we can see that. I mean, things are not getting better. <laughs> you know, this is not a good thing out there, but it's going to be our time to arise and shine and, and have remedies. I think we're to, we're to, we're to have answers. I'd love to see believers getting revelations. You know, someone might say, yes, we need a Christian scientist to come up with a, with a vaccine for the coronavirus. Wouldn't it be even more amazing if some farmer out there that knows nothing about science had a visitation from the Lord and got a remedy? I mean, that's even more supernatural. Um, you know, because thing, the answers are going to come from the unseen realm through a body of people known as the bride of Christ, or as Matthew 13 says, the sons of the kingdom. It actually says that there will be this separation of the wheat from the tares, and when that happens, it says the sons of the kingdom will shine like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. It will shine like the brightness of the sun in the kingdom of their father. So this is going to be our time to literally be shine, to be illuminated. Did you hear that? I mean, I just want to bust in on that. He's saying we're in the world, but not of it. We are transforming society by getting downloads from heaven, not through society's uh, rule and reign, not through their um, ways of doing things. We're bringing heaven to earth, and that's totally different. So transformation that takes place from heaven to earth is way different than trying to transform worldly structures that are fading away. We can influence. That's what the brightness does. That's what the illuminaries does. That's what, that's what happens when we get the presence on us. But that's totally different than trying to make a system that's not working become spirit-filled or uh, anointed by the Lord. Totally different. That's where it becomes a personal relationship. I will arise on you, your brightness. Nations shall come to the rising of your brightness. So I believe that that's what the Lord's doing. And I believe that that's how we get to influence society, being in the world but not of it. Well, um, as we move towards wrapping this up, I just, first of all, want to say thank you so much for your, your wisdom and your insight and your time. I think, I, I mean, in my lifetime, there's never been a more pertinent time for this message. And I think that it's no accident that we're able to gather here and, and have the technology and the tools in place to broadcast this. I, I, just, I just feel like it is, it's no accident. So I appreciate your guys um, pouring into that. Um, I just want to remind everybody out there, definitely you want to subscribe to the podcast. There's lots of content like this. We're going to put links in the show notes to White Dove Ministries. They have uh, amazing resources there. There's several messages um, that Paul talked about that referenced in this that, that you can find there that you need, to, you need to look at. And I just think it, you owe it to yourself to pay attention to this message. And, and you're feeling it. There's people that are listening right now that are feeling it, and this is resonating with them, and they can hear the truth in what you're saying, and it's it's that gut check, and they need to pour into that. And I think I'd like to end this this podcast by maybe asking you guys if you'd pray for the people that are listening to the podcast or they're watching the live broadcast, and they're feeling this this pressure and this sense of anxiety from the world around them, and they they're recognizing that what they're hearing from the three of you is 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 true. And, and they need to maybe, you know, s stand up and take action. They need to have that confidence and the courage that you mentioned, Amy. And I'd love it if you guys would just maybe take a minute or two and pray for, for all the people that are listening. Lord. 
You're holy, God. You're just worthy. I ask for everybody watching and for us included that we continue to remember that you are God. You're high and lifted up. You are holy and worthy and awesome. We remember that you are powerful and mighty and bigger and greater. That's who you are. I ask for every single person watching that they remember who you are and that you reveal to them who they are, the authority they walk in. I ask that as they're calling to you in trouble, that you rescue them, Lord, that you answer them in this hiding place of thunder. Answer them with um, question, answers to difficult questions. And Lord, just reveal to them who they are so that they have the courage to stand up as royalty. In Jesus' name. Um, while she was praying, I just, um, I want to pray that we would not only be defenders of the faith, but demonstrators of the faith. Moving from a season of defending truth to exhibiting truth, to displaying truth. And that there would be the release of this great grace that has been prophesied. What the Lord has told us, that people would experience the grace of God. We release that to you. That you would have something come into you you didn't have before this broadcast maybe or even before this season that you will come out of this season with a deposit of grace and favor that we haven't had before the favor of him who dwelt in the bush come upon our heads <laughs> that's what it spoke of on the tribe of joseph the the favor we need the favor of god now you know what i want to be eloquent that's wonderful and i like to have some knowledge but i really want god's favor you have God's favor, that makes up for everything else. <laughs> Lord, release your favor to us in this season that we can be everything you said we're supposed to be in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray that a covering would come over your people right now uh, during this Passover of peace. You said that you were the Prince of Peace and you would come to us, uh, the peace not of this world, but peace that you give to us. Not as the world gives, you said. And so, Lord, we just pull on that anointing right now, that covering of peace, that shalom, which means authority over chaos. Lord, thank you for that impartation to the people watching right now. I see a man, um, I believe your name is Russ or Russell. You're wearing either a dark uh, brown coat or sweater. And the Lord's just blanketing you right now as I'm talking about peace. I don't know if you struggle with anxiety or if you just need authority over chaos, but there is a blanket of peace, a mantle, a coat of peace coming over you right now. And Russell, I just want you to respond on whatever feed that you're watching this. Let us know what this means to you. But we just bless you in Jesus' name. And I just think while Paul, Keith, and Amy have been talking uh, these voices, you're, you're picking up a trumpet of boldness. You're receiving an impartation of courage while they've been talking. And you're saying, God, I want to be that end time trumpet. I want to be somebody that you put your lips to in this hour, that the breath of God is released to the planet right now. And you want from a place of intimacy to release authority over your region, over your family. And I just encourage you uh, there's an anointing on you right now to do just that. Prophesy what you hear beyond the veil. 
Prophesy what you hear. Shape your region. Shape your family through what God's speaking to you right now. And those of you who may have doubted that the Lord was speaking, He's speaking to you. I just want to affirm you. I feel like there's someone and many, maybe many people who are saying, I'm not sure that I'm hearing. And the Lord's like, it's not so much in your ability to hear as much as it's in God's ability to speak. You are hearing.